The Tuesday edition of the show covering everything in the South is up and going. Welcome into the Y'all Show, talk with an accent on the South. John Rawl here, your host. And for the next three hours, we're going to mix in some news, some sports, some some great politics conversation. We'll talk some entertainment news. We'll also fill you in on the top stocks to buy, according to one expert. We'll do that in hour number two. And we have, coming up in hour number three today, the 10 most stolen vehicles in the U.S. Hopefully your car is not on that list. We'll fill you in on all the fun here as we go along on this show covering 16 southern states from Alabama to West Virginia. Alphabetical order, that's how we do it. Here on Y'all, 803-816-1170 is the way you can get in touch with the show that's all about the South. Our text line is available for you 24-7, 803-816-1170. We're powered by Y'all.com, the South's homepage. Go there right now and check out some great content and a whole lot more great content forthcoming at YALL.com. Also, the Y'all Show available on great radio stations across the Southeast. Thank you to all of you who listen in each day. And we're also available on various podcast options. So if you don't have these on your smartphone, please add them. iHeart, the TuneIn Radio app, Apple Podcast app. We're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcast, chances are the Y'all Show is right there awaiting your free download. All you have to do is search Y'all Show, and we're right there and set, and it doesn't cost you anything, and you can listen to it when you have the availability. I talked to someone the other day. They enjoy listening to me. We're the perfect show in podcast form between where they live and where they work, so they can squeeze in an episode, and it works out beautifully. See, we're we're in the hepping business here at the Y'all Show, so that's what we're going to try to do. Coming up here on the Y'all Show, a little tease of what we got going on across the Southeast. Unfortunately, another hero of law enforcement gunned down, and we'll tell you about what happened Monday morning in Hollywood, Florida, as part of our news headlines. And up the road from Hollywood, Florida, in Georgia, jury selection begins in the trial over the Ahmad Mar- Arbery death. And that happened around Brunswick, Georgia, a couple years ago. We'll fill you in on what's going there in coastal Georgia. Also, if you happen to be in the nation's capital on Monday, you might have noticed the metro trains were not running like they should be. I'll let you know why. It looks like things are a little bit better today. We'll fill you in on that. An amazing story coming out of Kentucky. A four-year-old survives a fall off of a cliff. <laughs> That's great news. I'll tell you how that happened. Coming up, plus in our news headlines, this is a little sports, but it's business-related as well. The return of the United States Football League. If you were around in 1983, 84, and even 1985, you might remember the old the old USFL. Well, there's a team headed back to Birmingham from that league, and I'm going to fill you in on what the plans are for the United States Football League returning in 2022 as part of our headlines from across the South. Plus, how about this story coming out of North Carolina I've discussed on the show before about on the coastal, some of the barrier islands around Moorhead City, I guess is where this would be. There are wild horses in that area on some of the barrier islands. And guess what? These wild horses there in coastal North Carolina are now feasting on the persimmons that are falling down this time of year there. And we'll tell you how that's uh, how that's working out there for these wild horses. Plus, 
News out of Tennessee, a Memphian has now set a Guinness Book of World Record for raising money for St. Jude. How about that? I'll let you know about that exciting news as we go on in today's headlines from across the Southeast. Then we have plenty of sports talk to get to on today's y'all show. We'll start it off here in just a few minutes with a look at some college football news. There actually was a dismissal of a college football coach on Monday because the coach refused to get vaccinated. This did not happen in the South, but I'll let you know about Wazoo's decision. Also, Jimbo Fisher is dismissing talk of skipping Aggieland and moving back over to Baton Rouge, where he once was an assistant coach under Nick Saban. Is he going to be the next LSU head football coach? Well, we'll find out what he said Monday about the opening forthcoming in Baton Rouge. Also, the SEC did find the University of Tennessee, find them a lot of money for bad behavior. I'll let you know the amount. And also, after that game ended on Saturday, Mississippi quarterback Matt Corral says he's now questionable and in not very good shape for the Mississippi Landsharks home game this weekend against Ed Orgeron and the LSU Tigers. We'll let you know about that in our college headlines in the next segment. Later in the hour, we're going to have an ACC update, and I'll let you know how a Harvard man is lighting up the Virginia Cavaliers' backfield. And boy, what a job he did as Virginia destroyed Duke this past weekend. We've got our ACC update. We'll fill you in on that. We'll also discuss what's going on with the Miami Hurricanes. Are they facing a coaching change any day? Things need to improve for Manny Diaz and improve quickly. Also, we'll let you know about the schedule for the ACC coming up this weekend and a little ACC basketball news to pass along in our ACC update later this hour. Before the hour is up, we've got a Southern political report. We'll talk about the death of General Colin Powell. He died on, uh, was it Monday officially when it was announced of COVID-19, the one-time Secretary of State under George W. Bush, of course, very big during the Iraq War of 1991. Colin Powell has died. We'll let you know more about that. Kamala Harris in the news. She's put out a video for black churches in Virginia, and I'm going to play that video. See what you're thinking. I've got something to say about our vice president getting involved in churches and politics, weaving them together. And she seems to be, along with Stacey Abrams, the key stirrer-uppers, stirrer if you will, on this taboo. I think it's a taboo. We'll discuss this in our Southern Political Report later this hour. Hour number two today on the Y'all Show. We're going to start it off with some entertainment headlines. We've got the top new TV and movies available for you to stream. We'll share that. Plus, Louisiana girl Lainey Wilson just celebrated her first number one. I'm going to play a portion of that song, and I'm going to give you an update of what Lainey Wilson's out saying after she's captured her first number one. Things a Man Ought to Know was her big song, and she's got a follow-up out right now. Lainey Wilson will fill you in on this country music starlet later in the Y'all Show. Plus, we also have coming up Hour 2 some NFL talk to pass along. We'll give you some grades thus far of what's going on in the NFL season. And in the second hour today, we're going to have a report from Charlie Chang as he's put out a YouTube video on his own YouTube channel, Charlie Chang's Top Stocks to Buy in October. And he talks specifically, and we'll play this, about Adobe. If you've got an Adobe product like Photoshop, I use Photoshop, I use InDesign, I've got the whole Adobe package. Adobe's making a fair amount of money off of your boy here. And uh, and, and Charlie Chang talks about that. We're going to play some audio of him discussing the, do, the do's or don'ts of some of these top stocks 
and he's going to talk about Adobe maybe a little bit more when we welcome him in as part of our Southern Business Spotlight in hour number two. We'll also, in hour two, give y'all an update on what's up at y'all.com, the South's homepage. Before we get out of here today, hour number three is going to include the top 10 most stolen vehicles in the country. Hmm. I sure hope my Lamborghini's not on that list. But yes, we're going to share with you that info as it has been released. And this looks at, I guess, insurance claims and maybe even police reports to come up with this list. And I'll share that list in hour number three as we cruise the southeast. We'll also have a Melissa Rhodes' off this week. We'll have Kobe Bennett stopping by with a southern accent on the arts in hour number three. All that right here on the show covering everything Southern. We sure appreciate y'all tuning us in. Again, whether you're listening to us on one of our great radio affiliates or you're catching us in podcast form. Looking at the headlines as we start this first hour today, again, another fatal shooting of a law enforcement officer as a Hollywood police officer in Hollywood, Florida, was gunned down during an altercation. 28-year-old officer Yandy Chirino was shot went to the hospital and died. And that happened, according to Chief Chris O'Brien, it happened after an altercation with an 18-year-old man who's now being accused of fatally shooting the 28-year-old officer, Torino. The shooting again in Hollywood, Florida. Other officers detained the suspect. The chief says Vanegas will be charged. The man, Jason Vanegas, charged with armed burglary, battery on a law enforcement officer, carrying a concealed firearm violation, grand theft of a firearm, resisting arrest with violence, and first-degree murder. The Hollywood Police Department putting out an image on Facebook with the message, Today we remember Hollywood Police Officer Yandy Chirino. Early this morning, Officer Chirino died in the line of duty while responding to a call for help last night. He was 28 years old and had been with the Hollywood Police Department since 2017, and just this short time, he was recognized multiple times for his outstanding work ethic, received five commendations, and was Officer of the Month for June 2020. We officer, we offer our deepest sympathies to Officer Chirino's family. Your son selflessly devoted his life to law enforcement, was a great officer, and will leave a lasting impact on our community. There are no words that can comfort the pain your family is feeling right now. Please know that pain extends here with his brothers and sisters at our department, the Hollywood Police Department of Florida will stand beside you in the difficult days ahead and will always carry on your son's legacy. Officer Torino will be remembered for his selfless actions and his sacrifice. He gave his life honorably and without hesitation, protecting those in our community. Again, that message from the Hollywood, Florida police officer as one of their own, Yandy Torino, killed in the line of duty on Monday. Mm. And that, again, represents about the fifth or sixth law enforcement officer to be gunned down or to die in the line of duty in the last couple of days. Tough, tough story out of Hollywood, Florida, with this hero in blue losing their life. Okay, moving on to Georgia. Jury selection began Monday in the trial over Ahmaud Arbery's death. Jury selection underway there with hundreds of people ordered a report for what could be a very long, laborious effort to find jurors in this trial of three white men charged with fatally shooting Ahmad Aubrey as he was running in their neighborhood. The 25-year-old black man was gunned down and killed, and there's a graphic video of his shooting. 
that came out a few months after he was killed and arrested were father and son Greg and Travis McMichael and their neighbor, William Roddy Bryan, all are charged with murder and other crimes in the death from Fe February of 2020. This thing kind of leaked right when the coronavirus was first hitting, and so in some cases this did not get as much attention, but it did get a lot of attention. In fact, it got the attention of Mr. Ben, what is Ben's last name? Um, ben Crump, Benjamin Crump, Mr. Civil Rights Attorney. He's now representing somebody in this case, and so he's there in Brunswick, Georgia this week for this trial as it begins and the jury selection begins. This selection could last two weeks or more. Aubrey's father said he's praying for an impartial panel and a fair trial, saying black crime victims too often have been denied justice. The prosecutor in this case, Linda Dunikoski, questioned jurors after the judge. Her last question to the first panel, please raise your card if you would like to serve on this jury. At first, nobody did. Finally, a young man raised his hand and was the only one. So a lot of people not wanting to serve on what could be a very lengthy trial. But you know what? They're going to end up finding a jury at some point in Brunswick, Georgia. In this case, we'll go forward with the national cameras and reporters descending on Brunswick, Georgia for this very, very disturbing case. If you were in Washington, D.C. on Monday, you might have noticed your subway train, the metro train, wasn't running like it should have been as this regional transit system had to stop for half of its fleet after a lingering problem with the wheels and axles caused a derailing last week. And now Metro Authority there in Washington, D.C. ordered the withdrawal of the entire 7,000 series line of trains. The Kawasaki-made 7,000 series are the newest set of trains in service. And in the 748 cars of the Metro system, that's about 60% of the fleet. The NTSB chair, Jennifer Humandy, told reporters Monday that a design flaw had been identified which caused the train's wheels to spread too wide on the axles, allowing the carriage to slip off the tracks. So that's why huh, it might be slow going for a while if you're trying to catch Metro in Metro Washington, D.C. To the hills of Kentucky, a four-year-old boy fell off a 70-foot cliff at Red River Gorge in eastern Kentucky. And you know what? This lucky boy only had a couple of scratches and injuries, and he's going to be okay. The boy and his parents were hiking near Princess Arch when he slipped and fell, hitting multiple ledges before landing 70 feet below. The Wolf County, Kentucky search and rescue team went out. The father scrambled after the boy and called for help. When the search and rescue arrived on the scene, they were relieved to find the boy alert and talking. The boy was relatively unscathed, according to a spokesperson for the Wolf County Search and Rescue in Kentucky. The boy, who's not been named, taken to a hospital for evaluation, and they said he's fine. The sandstone arches there at this place, Red River Gorge, they have towering cliffs in the 42,000-acre geological area southeast of Lexington that attracts hundreds of thousands of hikers, rock climbers, kayakers, and campers each year. And one lucky four-year-old boy fell off that cliff there at that park, and uh, it's going to be okay. The news not so good for a New Orleans city councilman. We don't often mention DWI cases, but for this guy, this is his third time being booked on suspicion of driving while intoxicated, and therefore, Jared Brossett, you're getting called out here on the Y'all Show. He is a District D council member in the city of New Orleans, 
and he was booked earlier this week for DWI for a third time, and he's now resting comfortably at the police <laughs> at the police station, as New Orleans police found him asleep behind the wheel of a vehicle on Elysian Fields Avenue. The gentleman is in a hotly contested race for the council's Division II at-large seat. He refused to take field sobriety test and then taken into custody at 2.30 early on Monday morning. He'd been drinking, I guess, Sunday night. If, if true, he was drinking Sunday night into Monday morning, and now he faces a charge of driving while intoxicated. He was arrested in the 3100 block of Elysian Fields Avenue, which is just a few blocks from his arrest on the same thoroughfare just in June of last year. There, at that time, he swerved into oncoming traffic and wrecked a city-owned SUV. (laughs) This guy needs some help. Let's hope he finds it, if he does have a problem. District D, council member of New Orleans, Jared Brossett. In the news, for the wrong reasons. If you were around in 1983, 84, 85, there was a pretty good little option in the springtime. It was called the United States Football League. And the USFL did a pretty good job for about a year or two, and then it crashed and burned. And now the USFL, just like Lazarus, appears to be coming back, as it will be a spring football league in 2022. And this week, the the USFL and the BJCC, that's the Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center, they reached a deal and a memorandum of understanding to bring a new team to Birmingham, Alabama. And they're going to play at this brand new spectacular football stadium, protective stadium where UAB plays its games. And the USL will have use of that stadium for up to 40 games, plus some playoff games starting in April of 2022 up until July of 22. And they're going to get to do this at no cost, according to this non-binding MOU between the BJCC and the USFL. What they're going to do is they're going to have a couple of teams come to Birmingham and it'll be similar to the NBA bubble of 2020 when various teams will come into Birmingham, use this facility for games and they'll play each other. And they're even getting some good help from the city of Birmingham as they're hoping to get some revenue from hotel stays. $3 per room is what they're hoping to be having added a surcharge And they are going to have eight teams in this league that will be starting up in spring 2022. Now, the USFL originally started in 1983, lasted three seasons. Fox Sports, it looks like, might be coming on to help broadcast this new league. And let me tell you more about it besides Birmingham. And it looks like the team that will be playing in Birmingham is going to be the Birmingham Stallions, which was the old USFL team that played there. In the 1980s, I do love this. It looks like in the markets where they're going to have teams in 2022, most of these are cities where the old USFL was. And so let me tell you about how this USFL has evidently come up with a rebirth of the Los Angeles Express, the Chicago Blitz, the Tampa Bay Bandits, of which Steve Spurrier coached back when they were in the USFL in 1983, the Houston Gamblers. I believe Jim Kelly was a quarterback for the Gamblers in the old USFL. And then look for the Birmingham Stallions to be awakened and riding proud once again in Birmingham. The Jacksonville Bulls and the Portland Breakers, which started in Boston, then 
went to New Orleans for 1984, and then they went to Portland for 1985. So I, I don't have the complete list of all the cities, but it looks like that might be the plan here for the USFL. If only they could bring back the New Jersey Generals and its former owner, Donald J. Trump. Now that would be quite a coup. Hey, he needs something to do between now and January of 2025. So USFL owner might be a good job for the 45th president. That is a quick kind of update on what's going on in the news headlines of the South. When the y'all show comes back, we're going to fill you in with what's going on in terms of some college football news. Before the hour is up, we've got an update on what's going on in the Atlantic Coast Conference, getting you ready for this forthcoming weekend of ACC play. It's the show that's all about the South. We're the Y'all Show, and we're coming right back. Speaking of trains, the lane train went into Neyland Stadium and caused one heck of a ruckus. I'm going to tell you about how the University of Tennessee has got to pay up to the SEC office in just a second as we are back here on the Y'all Show discussing all things Southern College football right now. We've got an ACC update coming up in the next segment. But first off, some breaking news on Monday evening as Nick Rolovich fired at Washington State as the Cougars firing him because he did not get vaccinated. It's a state-mandated COVID-19, I guess, mandate. And the coach of the Cougs, Wazoo coach Nick Rolovich, is out after he refused to become vaccinated for this virus. And this was, again, a requirement for all state employees that was mandated, and he refused to do it. And so, therefore, he's being replaced temporarily by defensive coordinator Jake Deckert, who's supposed to be the new interim coach of Wazoo. But man, what a story there as he is out after not being vaccinated. What do y'all think of that? 803-816-1170. Rolovich was hired after Mike Leach took off for Mississippi State. He was hired in January 2020 after a four-year stint as the head coach at Hawaii. And I would say things aren't going overly wonderful for him. Maybe this is a cover for just getting rid of an average at best football coach. But the excuse is no vaccination. See you later. And so the Wazoo coach Rolovich gone from the Pac-12. One coach gone after the end of the year is LSU head coach Ed Orgeron. And now Monday, when given the chance to speak to the media, a former LSU assistant Jimbo Fisher spoke to reporters in College Station, Texas, and he (laughs) did a pretty good job of shooting down rumors that he might even consider leaving his, what is it, $10 million a year job at Aggieland to go back to LSU. As Jimbo Fisher said, that we're in the process of building something great, and I plan on being here and fulfilling this contract. Now, his name's going to get mentioned a lot because I think he was a great fit at LSU when Nick Saban was there in the early 2000s. He was an assistant. I guess he was the defensive coordinator, I believe, going way back. I remember hearing his name mentioned 
For example, when any kind of coaching opening happened back in 2004, 5, 6, Jimbo Fisher is going to get that job. Jim, He might have even been rumored to be the coach at Alabama. But in the end, he goes and joins the Florida State staff and ends up being the head coach of the Seminoles after Bobby Bowden stepped down. And is he going to be looking to move away from Texas A&M? With the kind of love they've got for him with the rebirth of A&M football since that Alabama game, he'd be a fool to leave Texas A&M. But that might be just tempting enough to go back and see if you can't fix what's wrong with LSU, which not much is wrong there. He's got a great opportunity, no matter where he is or whoever goes into LSU, to build on what Orgeron's done. You know with Ed Orgeron, he's going to recruit extremely well. Why they've lost a few games this year, I don't know. I, I guess I haven't watched their games enough, but they they probably, LSU fans, losing to Kentucky had to be heartbreaking. And then losing to Auburn at home. Now, that was maybe that was fireable, but good Lord, the guy just won you a national championship two years ago. This might not be a national championship year for LSU. If they just go to a bowl game and have a successful season, is that not good enough right now? I guess not. I guess that's just the sign of when now or you're out of here, when not just now, when 95% of your games or you're out of here. That seems to be what LSU is all about. And Scott Woodward has a decision to make. Now, remember, Scott Woodward, <laughs> he is a former Texas A&M athletic director, now at Baton Rouge. And I think he's a LSU alum, but he had been at Aggieland, and I think he's the one that brought Jimbo Fisher on to be the Aggies head football coach. Well, Woodward's back at LSU, so there is a relationship that's going on between Woodward and Fisher that you'd think there at least would be a possibility, a phone call made in the middle of the night to coach Ed Orgeron. Would you like to come back to, uh, or rather to Jimbo Fisher, would you like to Come on back to LSU. We will find out, but yeah, the coaches' carousel is a is a going, and it's certainly a going when you fire coaches essentially in midseason, and then they linger. And <laughs> what if Ed Orgeron wins every single game left on the schedule and ends up having a 10-11 win season and still has to say goodbye? That's kind of ridiculous. Texas A&M this weekend is going to be facing the South Carolina Gamecocks. A&M's ranked number 17 in the country, and they've had big wins on the road at Mizzou, and then they had that really, really big win against what was number one Alabama at the time just a few weeks ago there at Kyle Field. Now, how about what happened at Neyland Stadium? Did you see this one Saturday night? I guess this was in the same time slot from a week before. It was A&M and Alabama in the late-night game. In the SEC, well, the late night game this past weekend was Tennessee and Mississippi there at Neyland Stadium, and it really got out of hand. It got out of hand. There was a pause of play for roughly 20 minutes. I thought the officials were going to call the game because it did get a little scary, especially when you saw the bands and cheerleaders being escorted out of the stadium. On Monday, the SEC came down with a $250,000 fine to the University of Tennessee after fans threw bottles and other debris onto the field in the last few minutes of the game, a game of which Tennessee lost to Mississippi 31-26. And when you see it, 
it's all Tennessee, and they deserve to get this $250,000 fine for sure. This is worse what happened on Saturday night than what happened, let's say, at Kentucky a few weeks ago when they beat Florida and their fans rushed the field. I think they also had a $250,000 fine. That was scary. This was dangerous, what happened with Tennessee. You don't know what they're throwing. They're throwing water bottles. We saw a golf ball come down on the field. A, a, a plastic container of mustard was thrown from the rafters of Neyland Stadium. This is a 100,000-seat-plus stadium of which when you're throwing stuff from the upper decks, perhaps it could really hurt you. And it was a scary scene. Now pay the fine Tennessee. You did it. And many, many, many Tennessee fans and students did it. That's why you can't run from this fine. I did hear someone I know call into a local radio station and say they were at the game and Tennessee deserves to be fine. But this person brought out the fact that if you had been there in the stands when Mississippi first came out on the field, Lane Kiffin essentially was taunting the student section, of which is I think is right behind the visiting bench. That's a bad move there. Tennessee needs to get those students away from the visiting bench. They don't need to be there. Put the visiting fans right there behind the bench. No, I'm not saying they got to do that. To Tennessee's credit, they do put the fans in kind of the corner of the end zone. And some of the stadiums out there in college sports, they really discriminate against visiting teams. Sometimes in the rafters is all they'll get. That's just wrong, I think. I don't know of any SEC schools that treat visitors that bad where the main visiting section is. Well, Georgia might be. Nah, Georgia's got a pretty good spot. In fact, Georgia and Tennessee kind of have the same little corner for their visiting fans or the majority of their visiting fans. But this fan that called in this radio station, uh, someone I actually know, said that if you'd have been there in person at Neyland Stadium Saturday, you would have seen Lane Kiffin taunting the student section when he came out. Then you saw perhaps some players and coaches also during the game gesturing. Maybe they were getting cussed out by the fans and they ultimately sent messages back to the fans in the stands. Uh, still no excuse to throw anything, but... Maybe the SEC needs to look at the Mississippi coaching staff and look at maybe fining Lane Kiffin for bad behavior himself. He has no business trying to stir up a crowd. It doesn't matter what they're doing or what they're saying unless they can hurt him, as the case ended up being with a golf ball, I know, kind of grazing his leg, of which Kiffin grabbed the ball and I think took it into his press conference. The guy needs to calm things down. He's a grown man. I know he doesn't look like it and he may not even act like a grown man, but Kiffin is in his forties now and he needs to be a, a grown up. I guess that's the, the bottom line here. Now, the funny thing is a lot of these students that were bashing Lane Kiffin, they were at most six, seven, eight years old when he was the head coach at Tennessee back in 2009. I think it was really ridiculous. They made that big of a deal about him leaving. It was a year. He was there one year and gone. And it's been 12 years since he's been back in Rocky Top coaching a visiting team. Now, a similar case happened when Tommy Turberville took off after he said he would never leave the University of Mississippi. He immediately took off for the bright lights of Auburn. And the very next year, those two teams went against each other, I think the first time in Auburn. But it was only two years later 
Tuberville comes back into Vault Hemingway Stadium as a visiting coach. Now, they did not like that at the time in roughly 1999 or 2000. And you could understand why the guy left them at the altar. And it was only two years removed when he came back as a visiting coach. But the, the, it's been 12 years. There ought to be a statute of limitations that kind of expire after a while. And you shouldn't be so daggum mad. The problem with Tennessee <laughs> is what Lane Kiffin did in 2009 was a, was compared to most seasons, a pretty good season. And Tennessee wants those kind of years back. And maybe the, if Lane Kiffin had not left them, the, not for the bright lights of Auburn, but for the bright lights of Los Angeles and USC, where would this Vol program be if he had put them on a fast track of getting back to the promised land? Could have, could have should have. But right now, Tennessee has got to pay up 250,000 big ones for throwing trash on the field. And as someone said to me, it's absolutely true now that Tennessee is trash. You can't have you can't really argue based on what you saw Saturday night. Now maybe that trash got to the best got the best of Matt Corral, quarterback of the Mississippi Lion Sharks. There's a story out where he says he's not in very good shape for the game this weekend. Ed Orsonron comes back to Vault Hemingway Stadium as a visiting coach for one last time. And Matt Corral, who right now ranks in the top 10 nationally in total touchdowns, he's being listed. They don't really do this in college like they do in the NFL, but according to reports, he's questionable to play against LSU. He rushed the ball 30 times for 195 yards during that win over Tennessee. He's a heck of a passer, but almost 200 yards rushing in that game at Rocky Top. According to Lane Kiffin, he's not in very good shape and hasn't been the last two days. Hopefully he'll play, but I do not feel good about that right now. Now, Ed Orgeron, who called Corral one of the best players in the country, suggested that at his press conference this week, there might be some gamesmanship going on with his friend Lane Kiffin. As Ed Orgeron said, knowing Coach Kiffin, he's throwing me a smoke screen. Maybe maybe that's just what they're doing there at Oxford with Matt Corral. He's a darn good quarterback. And is he on your Heisman list? He... He might ought to be. He's doing just what he needs to do statistically, and he's got his team knocking on the top ten. And probably right now a Heisman Trophy frontrunner would have to be the Cincinnati Bearcats quarterback. I'd have to give him the nod. Is there anyone on Georgia's team that deserves it at this point? If they hadn't been switching quarterback from, what is it, Stetson Bennett to what is the other guy from USC, uh, if one of those guys had taken almost every snap – they would clearly be the front runner. And I don't know of a Georgia running back that's just uh, uh, blowing it away. They got so many players. That's their problem. They have a, a uh, abundance of incredible talent between the hedges. So right now, Corral just might be the front runner and the quarterback there. Um, it's not Spencer Rattler anymore. <laughs> he kind of, uh, after what happened there in Dallas a few days ago, He's not exactly at the top of the list, but we'll worry about Heisman stuff later on down the road. But that's kind of a look at some various SEC news starting out here in our sports report today. We're not done talking college football, though. When we come back, we've got the ACC update. What's going on at UVA? They just absolutely creamed the Duke Blue Devils over the weekend. Also, the smoke's getting seen. Maybe a coaching change at the U. We'll discuss that and also break down where the ACC teams will be playing this weekend. We're the Y'all Show, and we're coming right back. 
Back into the Y'all Show. Time now for an ACC update here as we have our first hour of the show about the South. Up and going, the Virginia Cavaliers. Their fight song playing there in the background. UVA 48, Duke nothing. What a thumping it was there in Charlottesville this past weekend. Other games in the ACC for week number seven. Clemson just got past Syracuse on Friday night last week. NC State improved to 5-1 and one with a victory over Boston College. North Carolina just got past Miami, 45-42. And the Pitt Panthers went down to Lane Stadium and embarrassed the homestanding Hokies. Pitt 28, Virginia Tech 7. Several ACC schools did not play last week. As we mentioned, the Miami Hurricanes lost their game at North Carolina. Miami now 2-4 and four overall. And if that's not bad enough news for the U, they also lose running back Cameron Harris to a knee injury as the terrible year for Miami continues. Miami has now lost its top, two of its top three running backs to injury. They also lost starting quarterback De'Eric King, starting center Corey Gaynor, and a whole bunch more. Freshman Jalen Knighton, who rushed for 92 yards in the loss at North Carolina, is going to start at running back after running back Cameron Harris out for the entire season with a knee injury. Tough, tough year for Miami and head coach Manny Diaz. He's got the NC State Wolfpack heading into Hard Rock Stadium this weekend. And there are lots of discussion, lots of people saying that he might not make it. Is Ed Orgeron now going to be on the radar? Ed Orgeron once was an assistant at Miami back in the glory days. Is he a possible replacement for Manny Diaz if the U decides to make a coaching change? We will see. Now, Miami, it's been tough there, but according to an article at 24-7 Sports written by Brandon Marcello, so far, according to his article, so far Clemson is the biggest disappointment of 2021. Clemson entered the season with the likely chance of going right back to the playoff, and that loss to Georgia in week one, that was bad. But it wasn't the end of the world. Clemson then goes on to lose at NC State. And it's not just the wins and losses. Clemson only has two losses. They just got past Syracuse this past weekend. So they still have a lot to play for. But it's the offense. Tony Elliott's offense, it averages 20.5 points per game. That's Clemson's worst output since Tommy West. His team's produced 19.8 points in a three-win season back in 1998. If Clemson can't score and DJ Ugalele can't lead him down the field to score, they're not going to win all that much. Or if they win, they're going to win ugly. They're not going back to a playoff with those kind of offensive numbers. So what's going to happen in Tigertown? Again, according to this 247sports.com article, Clemson, the biggest disappointment of the year thus far. Tiger fans, I think many of them would agree. I was just with a rabid Clemson fan the other day. And he was pretty down on his team. So there must be some truth. (laughs) And this guy normally is glowing about his Tigers of Clemson, that is. I'll tell you who is excited. That's Virginia Cavalier fans. And they should be. Virginia just beat Duke 48 to nothing. 48 zip there in Charlottesville this past weekend. And what a job by a newcomer to this program. Running back Devin Darrington. He is a Harvard transfer. He carried the ball five times for 60 yards and a touchdown, and he's doing a great job in the backfield. And Devin Darrington, again, a Harvard alum now as a graduate transfer at UVA, 
What a job by this gentleman who is a native of Forest Hill, Maryland. And he's a running back, wears in the backfield number 26 for the Orange and Navy of the Virginia Cavaliers. So, of course, he's been on the presidential honor roll in his playing time and just a great, great addition for Bronco Mendenhall's who's as they've got this very bright player in the backfield now, leading them to wins galore. Virginia has now won several really big games. They got that thrilling win over Miami a couple weeks ago when Miami doinked the ball, the kick off the upright, and uh, Virginia, don't sleep on Virginia at 5-2. and two, They could... They've got a little bit of race with Pitt at the current time in the Coastal Division, but you could see them playing in Charlotte before the season comes to an end. Also want to let you know in terms of ACC, what's going on in football this weekend, week number eight of the ACC, as far as the football team suiting up on this eighth weekend of college football. Last weekend was pretty darn exciting. How about this weekend? Hey, it gets started on Saturday. Wake Forest, ranked number 16, will be at Michi Stadium. They're taking on the, or I think it's Mikey Stadium, taking on West Point in that historic venue on the Hudson. That's an early game on Saturday. Elsewhere in ACC football this weekend, UMass is at Florida State. Syracuse will be at Virginia Tech. Clemson's got a tough contest. They're going to be at the Pitt Panthers. Pitt ranked number 23 in the country. That's a mid-afternoon game. Also, Louisville's got Boston College. NC State ranked number 18. They will be on the road at Miami for an ESPN2 broadcast Saturday evening. And Georgia Tech will be taking on that red-hot Virginia Cavalier team there at Scott Stadium Saturday evening on the ACC Network. Lastly, the AP College Basketball Poll for 2021 is up. This is the complete preseason rankings. They've just been released. As far as the ACC goes, out of the top 25, you've got you've got to look a little ways. Duke is number nine. The number one team, by the way, in this preseason poll is Gonzaga. Duke's at nine. You've got North Carolina checking in at number 19. I mean, that was a long pause because I had to search a long time for another ACC team. Florida State checks in at 20. Virginia is at 25. So only was that four ACC schools listed in this top 25 from the AP, their preseason poll. Right now, Gonzaga at one, UCLA at two, Kansas, then Villanova and the Texas Longhorns checking in at five in this brand new college basketball preseason poll. And preseason and and the, the season itself of college basketball tipping off in just a few weeks. We'll come right back here on the Y'all Show, wrap up this first hour with a quick look at some Southern political news here on the show that covers the South. Wrapping up this first hour of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, a little political news. On Monday, it was released that Colin Powell died from COVID complications, the one-time Secretary of State, of course, a uh, Army general, especially back during the Gulf War of 1991. Colin Powell was 84 years old. He was fully vaccinated, according to his family, 
as they put a statement out on Facebook about his death. He had been treated in recent years for multiple myeloma, a blood cancer that impairs the body's ability to fight infection. And this first black American secretary of state dying as a result of COVID-19, according to his family, Colin Powell, flags now flying across the country at half mast as ordered by President Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden's vice president, Kamala Harris, has put out a video message in support of Virginia gubernatorial candidate Terry McAuliffe. She's got this video. It's been played and will be played even more at black churches, primarily in the Commonwealth of Virginia, as McAuliffe is going against Republican Glenn Youngkin for governor of Virginia. Their race is early November, but in the closing days, the Democrats are stepping up their game and they're specifically going after black churches and black women specifically of of the folks that are trying to reach out more than others. And Harris was the message, and I don't like it. I don't have enough time here this hour to tell you about it, but how in the world could a a sitting vice president put out a video that's designed to go be played in a church. I thought there was supposed to be a separation of church and state. And this, this is a video. Now, a lot of these people are going into the churches themselves and campaigning. Uh, how, how do they get away with it? How, how is this possible? Well, it is possible and it's going on and I don't think anybody's going to do anything about it or maybe what they're doing is legal. I'm not a lawyer. There's a new entry into the governor's race of Florida as there's going to be a new Democratic candidate, State Senator Annette Taddeo. She is now entering a race that's got Charlie Crist and Agricultural Commissioner Nikki Freed already declared to be Democratic candidates for the governor of Florida when they race have that race in 2022, as you have Ron DeSantis trying to be reelected as governor of Florida. That's if he don't, doesn't go ahead, and denou- uh, go ahead and announce that he's going to be trying to be the next president of the United States. But yes, a new entry. This woman who's now looking to be the governor of Florida is an immigrant. I think her family, or maybe she, her, she came to this country from Colombia. She grew up in Colombia. She's 54 years old. She put out a video with the announcement that she is going to be running for governor. And her father was an American combat pilot and he rescued uh, and that her family was terrorized by Marxist guerrillas when she was growing up in Colombia. I don't have the whole bio for her, but you can go watch that video and it helps explain this woman. Annette Tadio again, entering the race for governor of Florida. Also two house Democrats have announced they're going to retire a Republican from a re- rather, a representative of Pennsylvania, Mike Doyle, said he's going to be leaving. But a Democratic candidate, a Democratic congressman from North Carolina, David Price, who was elected for the first time way back in 1986, also says he's going to not run for re-election in 2022. So some Democrats now in the United States House saying they're going to quit the House, maybe quit politics altogether. This is Y'all Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern. We've got a whole nother hour of the show about the South headed your way next, and we'll get it going with some entertainment talk. Oh, can't wait for that. It's coming up next.
Powered by y'all, the homepage of the South. We are the Y'all Show. John Rawl is your host. That's me. And thank you for tuning us in as we get another hour of our conversation about the Southeast up and going. In this second hour of today's Y'all Show, we've got some sports news from the NFL that we'll be passing along. Plus, we've got a Southern Business Spotlight as Charlie Chang has a YouTube channel and Mr. Chang has his top stocks to buy in October. And included to that is Adobe Inc. We'll let you hear from Charlie Chang later in this hour as part of our Southern Business Spotlight. Also, we've got an update later in the hour on what's up at y'all.com, the South's homepage. I just told you that, and I'm telling you again. (laughs) 803-816-1170 is the number for you to get in touch with us here. If you've got a phone, you can just pull it out and text us something, question, comment. We'll welcome it all right here to the show about the Southeast. Going to start off this second hour with a look at some headlines from the entertainment world. And did you hear about the injury to Vince Neal? He was injured when he fell from a stage in East Tennessee. The Motley Crue singer injured Friday night when he fell off the stage during a solo concert at a rock festival that was going on in Pigeon Forge. Neil and his band were playing the crew hit, Don't Go Away Mad, Just Go Away, at the Monsters on the Mountain Festival right around Dollywood, and he fell down. Video from the concert shows Vince Neil giving a spin with his guitar by his side and then walked to the side of the stage before slipping out of sight. And he's hurt. He is injured. And let's see if we can't get you some more information. The band finished that song and then carried on playing a Led Zeppelin cover. That according to a fan who shot video. In another video, bass player Dana Strum explained to the crowd that Neil was hurt. The truth is Vince fell and broke ribs when he fell. He can't breathe and he's going to get dealt with medically. The band <laughs> then went into Motley Crue's live wire and urged the audience to sing along so Neil could hear them backstage. Hmm. Neil and his Motley Crue bandmates are scheduled to hit the road next June for a U.S. stadium tour with Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Hopefully he'll be back up and going. Again, Vince Neil injured over the weekend, the Motley Crue singer. He and his Motley Crue <laughs> having a hard time at the Monsters on the Mountain Festival Friday night in Pigeon Forge and injured, and it looks like, again, rib injuries and more. He ought to be okay, but you won't be seeing him probably at a concert for quite quite a little while as he heals up. Hopefully, rib injuries don't hurt your ribs so much that it affects your singing because, well, I don't know how much singing people want to hear. They want to hear that jam band, that, that guitar uh, blazing, right? I think so. Netflix has an article up. It's see what's streaming in October, not just at Netflix, but also across various download options, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Hulu, and more. And you can go find all kinds of great things if you just take the time. One thing you can find on Netflix right now in the month of October is Diana the Musical. Before it hits Broadway in November, you can check out this musical stage play based on the life of Princess Diana. Diana the Musical, something the whole family can gather around and watch on Netflix. Also out on Amazon Prime, I Know What You Did Last Summer. This is based on the Lois Duncan 1973 novel. It was turned into a 1997 film one year after the fatal car incident that haunted their graduation night. A group of teenagers are bound by their dark secret and being stalked by a brutal killer. I Know What You Did Last Summer is a series, again, 
out right now on Amazon Prime. On Disney Plus, Among the Stars is a new download. This is a six-part docu-series, and it gives a wider world view of NASA as it has cameras on Earth and in space as NASA astronaut Captain Chris Cassidy is on a quest to get back in his spacesuit for one last mission. Something pretty inspirational there if you see that on Disney Plus, Among the Stars. Right now on Hulu, Baker's Dozen. Contestants seek to make it to the top three to wow guest judge Loria Stern with their baking skills in this reality competition. Again, Netflix and Hulu have this one. If you want to go see some food being made, could be worth a view. Have you heard of Acorn TV? If you have, great. If you have, you might want to check this out on Acorn TV. Manhunt the Night Stalker. This is based on the real-life diaries of former London Metro Police Detective DCI Colin Suttonham. And this focuses on the police pursuit of a notorious burglar and serial rapist whose 17-year reign of terror left thousands of elderly people in southeast London living in fear. Manhunt the Night Stalker is out and available to download right now. Hulu has Dope Sick. This dramatic series examines how one company triggered the worst drug epidemic in American history. And I think it's Michael Keaton in the lead role of Dope Sick. Check that out, if you will. Sexy Beast Season 2 is back on Netflix, the dating reality show in which contestants hide their appearances by dressing as Beast Return. I guess this is kind of like the mask singer, only they're dating. How would you like to date somebody with a mask on the whole time? Jacinta is out on Hulu, shot over three years. This is a documentary about the generational trauma as it begins at the Maine Correctional Institute where a 26-year-old Jacinta and her mother, 46-year-old Rosemary, are incarcerated together, both recovering from drug addiction. Mama and daughter together behind bars, and you can watch this on Hulu. The program is called Jacinta. On Disney Plus, Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales. This looks pretty neat if you're a kid, especially. It's about the events of Rise of Skywalker. Poe and BB-8 make an emergency landing on Mustafar, where they meet Grabala the Hutt, who has purchased Darth Vader's castle and is renovating it into the galaxy's first all-inclusive Sith-inspired luxury hotel. Hmm. Don't know if you want to see that but it's available on Disney Plus right now. Disney Plus also has Just Beyond, inspired by the work of author R.L. Stein. This eight-episode anthology series tells stories of a reality just behind, just beyond the one we know. Just Beyond. Available for streaming right now. Made is out on Netflix, inspired by the New York Times bestselling memoir by Stephanie Land. This series follows the story of a single mother who turns to house cleaning to barely make ends meet as she escapes an abusive relationship and overcomes homelessness. I bet this is pretty inspiring. Made, and it is out right now. Also out right now on Amazon Prime, it is a series called The Name, or My Name is Paul Murray, or rather, My Name is Paulie Murray, the story of Paulie Murray, who, well before many of the better-known civil rights Monets, was a pioneering attorney, activist, priest, and dedicated memoirist helping to shape landmark litigation and consciousness around race and gender equity. Polly Murray is the subject of this. My name is Polly Murray on Amazon Prime. 
Got a lot to go through here. Hopefully you're taking notes, y'all. <laughs> Hulu has The Next Thing You Eat from Chef David Chang and Academy Award-winning documentary filmmaker Morgan Neville. This docuseries explores the seismic changes happening all around us and what they mean for the way we'll eat in the future. The Next Thing You Eat. I guess you need to come to this one hungry if you <laughs> want to see this and enjoy it fully. The Real Housewives of Orange County season 15? You mean they've already had 14 other seasons? And now 15 of The Real Housewives of Orange County is back. The Housewives who started the franchise return to deliver more drama. This is available on Bravo. The Babysitter's Club season 2 is on Netflix, based on the best-selling book series by Anne M. Martin. This dramedy follows the friendship and adventures of a young group of friends who start their own babysitting business. <laughs> All right. Might be right up your alley. Netflix. They got you. Season three. This is about Joe. He's back. This time he and love are married and raising their baby in Northern California amongst privileged tech entrepreneurs, judgmental mommy bloggers, and Insta famous biohackers. How about Justin Bieber? If you want to learn more about Justin, Amazon Prime has Justin Bieber, our world, as the pop superstar takes viewers backstage, on stage, and into the private world of his first full concert in three years, and it's set on a Beverly Hills rooftop on New Year's Eve 2020. All right. Kentuckian, hey, George Clooney's got something out. The Descendants, a Hawaiian lawyer, deals with grief, fatherhood, and a real estate in, in the wake of tragedy in this Oscar-winning film, The Descendants, that is on IMD. B-T-V, The Descendants. Most George Clooney movies are pretty dang good, I think. And lastly, available for you to watch, Midsummer Series, or rather Midsummer Murders Season 2, detectives investigate homicides, blackmail, and greed, and betrayal in England's most murderous county. Midsummer Murders, out on Acorn TV at the very moment, if you want to catch some of that. Now, from Hollywood to Nashville, congratulations to singer and Delaware native Jimmy Allen. He and his wife, Alexis, they've given birth to their third child, Zara James Allen, born on October 16th. Congratulations. Not a, he's not just D Jimmy Allen on Dancing with the Stars these days. He's dancing with a lot of excitement being a daddy again as he and his wife, Alexis Gale, celebrating the birth of of their newborn Zara James Allen. And that is her second, his third. I think I got that right. I was with one of Jimmy Allen's old teachers the other day as he taught him there in Southern Delaware. And he said that Jimmy once tracked him down and made him buy his R and B little cassette or CD or something like that burned, uh, whatever they call that mixtape. And he said he's gone from, from that to now being a country music star, Jimmy Allen. But at one time, he was maybe looking more at the R&B thing. And I guess this country thing's working for him. So, And it, it looks like fatherhood is working for him. And if I'm not mistaken, he, his wife, Jimmy Allen's wife, Alexis, is a Southern Delaware native herself. I think they know each other from that part of the country. So congratulations to the Allens and... Much, much success. Now, Lainey Wilson, I know where she's from. She is from Northeast Louisiana. And she has just celebrated her first number one on the country music charts, 
things a man ought to know. And she's out talking about her success. As she said at the Billboard Country Airplay chart topper, she said on the carpet before the CMT Artist of the Year event at Nashville's Shimmerhorn Symphony Center the other day, she said, women have so much to say. I tell the boys all the time, you better watch out. We're coming for y'all. Well, you know what? She's got a number one song, and it's a good one. And she's a great singer out of Northeast Louisiana. Lainey Wilson, if you've not heard of her, you should. In fact, we're going to play a little portion of her number one song as we go to break here. Things a Man Ought to Know was the name of this one. Great sound. And she's got a lot of things going in her direction these days. She was in Nashville a long time before she had success. Lainey Wilson, congratulations. And she says here, watch out, fellas. We're coming for y'all. Okay, come on. You can have it. <laughs> Lainey Wilson. That wraps up our entertainment report here on the Y'all Show. We'll be right back here on the Y'all Show with more Southern sports news to pass along. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. We're back on talk with an accent on all things South. Our website is YALLYALL.com. And let's bring you up to speed on what's going on in the NFL after they have now knocked out six weeks of action on the gridiron. And some of the teams aren't looking too good. There's really only one team looking really, really good. At this point, that would be the Arizona Cardinals, as they are the NFL's only undefeated team. And that, what, 74 Dolphins team still has to be a little bit nervous whether this could be the team that captures that elusive undefeated team like they did back in the early 1970s. 
The Dallas Cowboys may have a loss to show as they lost in the opening week to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but man, they are on a five-game win streak, and that included this past weekend going to Foxborough and defeating the New England Patriots in overtime. Also, how about the Cincinnati Bengals thus far? They've already matched their win total for 2020. Joe Burrow, if he can stay healthy, he's looking really good at this point. Then you've got the Las Vegas Raiders. They appear to be one of the better teams in the NFL at this point. I'm going to walk through the standings before we get out of here in this segment, but it is right now, it's a it's a wild race. There's a lot of teams hovering around 500 at this point, six games into the schedule, and the Cardinals appear to be the league favorite at this point for getting on in their postseason aspirations. But let me fill you in on an article up at pff.com. They do a pretty good job with their coverage of all things sports. And they've got the NFL Week 6 Team of the Week awards. And their awards for this week include their Team of the Week. And that means, literally, they give you their players. They they kind of have their all-star <laughs> team. Not necessarily a certain franchise, but players that would go on their best team. And after what we saw in Week 6, their quarterback a guy that's really not done what you'd think at this point because of injuries, because he's in a new environment. How about Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts? He had a great week six, and he's on there as the quarterback of this PFF team of the week. Running back Aaron Jones. I'm surprised his signal caller is not on this list. Aaron Rodgers, after what the Packers did to the Chicago Bears over the weekend, Aaron Jones had a great week. He is the running back, C.D. Lamb of the Dallas Cowboys, wide receiver on this PFF team of the week. The Browns' Odell Beckham Jr. looked really good in a Browns loss to the Cardinals, by the way, from the weekend. The Baltimore Ravens tight end Mark Andrews has made the list as the tight end on this team of the week. Then you've got Jacoby Myers of the Patriots making it, as well as Bears left tackle Jason Peters, Quentin Spain of the Bengals, David Andrews of the Patriots, Zach Martin of the of the Cowboys, he's a right guard and right tackle Cornelius Lucas of the WFT making this PFF team of the week. When you look at the defense, my goodness, how about Armand Watts of the Vikings, Cameron Hayward of the Steelers making it, edge rusher for the Cowboys, Randy Gregory is among the best, Josh Allen of the Jaguars, congratulations to Jacksonville, they won over Miami all the way at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London over the weekend. The Colts, Darius Leonard, linebacker for them, has made the defensive unit. The Lions linebacker, Derek Barnes. Lions can't win, but they got a good player in Barnes. How about Bashad Breeland of the Minnesota Vikings? This cornerback made the list. Vikings go into Charlotte and beat the Carolina Panthers over the weekend. The Bengals cornerback, Shadob Awuzie, he has made the list as a cornerback. And then you got Taylor Rapp of the Rams, Derwin James of the Chargers, Isaiah Rogers of the Colts all making the list. A little bit surprised that Mr. Watt of the Steelers, after the amazing job he did on Sunday Night Football, he's not on this list. They may want to go reevaluate their breakdown of these great players, but that's just their opinion of what the NFL, their players from Week 6, their performances. Looking at the standings right now, the Bills have a commanding lead in the AFC East. The Pats 2-4. 
the Jets and Dolphins each have one win compared with four or five losses. It looks like the Jets have already enjoyed a bye week thus far. The AFC North, the Ravens out on top of that division with a 5-1 and one mark. The Cincinnati Bengals are 4-2. and two. Pittsburgh, they improved to 3-3 three and three after their win against Seattle on Sunday night football. Was that Sunday night football? Yeah, Sunday night football. <laughs> Get that confused sometimes with uh, something called Monday night football. The Browns, they lost at home. They are now 3-3. Three and three. And the AFC, AFC South right now, the Titans have an edge over the Colts. Colts are two and four. Houston Texans and the Jags each have the record of one and five in the NFL there in the AFC South. Still Tennessee's division to lose, if you ask me. The competitive AFC West. This just might be the best division in football this year. You got the Chargers and Raiders knotted up at four and two. The Broncos and Chiefs are three and three in the Kansas City Chiefs, which just a few weeks back were the worst by far in this division are slowly but surely picking up their momentum. And after they got the victory in Washington over the weekend, they are back to 500 with a 3-3 and record. How about that NFC East Dallas Cowboys? They look like the class of this conference last year. All four teams were horrible. This year, the Cowboys don't look horrible at all. They're 5-1, and one, and again, on a five-game win streak, looking good. Dak Prescott, you are making your owner quite proud that he decided to pay you and I should say show you the money. The Washington football teams two and four, Eagles two and four, the Giants are one and five in the NFC East. In the NFC North, the Packers, after their week one loss, have kind of got things back. They also are on a five game winning streak. Aaron Rodgers and company are five and one. The Vikings, after they won on the road, they've won two straight. They are three and three in the NFL. The Green Bay, the Chicago Bears are also at 500, uh, three and three. And the hapless Detroit Lions right now are the only team in the NFL who have not tasted the sweet success of victory. The Lions are 0 and 6. In the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Bucks still are in control in that division. Now, they haven't played a lot of their fellow NFC South teams yet. Bucks are 5 and 1. The Saints now are 3 and 2 after an open week. Carolina is at 3 and 3. Panthers have now lost 3 straight games. Lost to Dallas, then lost to the Philadelphia Eagles this past weekend. They lost at home to the Minnesota Vikings. The Atlanta Falcons are 2 and 3. They won in London and enjoyed an open week after that trip across the pond. And then in the NFC West, the Cardinals again undefeated 6 and 0. Oh, they are on top of the LA Rams at 5 and 1. The Niners are 2 and 3. The Seahawks are now 2 and 4 after they lost that game at Pittsburgh this Sunday night football game of the week. That's a look at some of the NFL goings on here across the Southland. When the Y'all Show comes back, we're going to switch over and tell you about some southern business news. Charlie Chang is a YouTuber and he's got a video up very helpful, the top stocks to buy in the month of October. We'll share what he's got to say when the Y'all Show comes back.
Susan, it's so great to finally be able to get together again. Oh, it sure is. And I really appreciate you picking up the bill. I'm happy to. I've got the extra cash. Since we've all been driving so much more again, I've been using GetUpside, the free gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the GetUpside app? Yes, up to 25 cents a gallon. Cash back every time I buy gas. Does that actually add up to anything? Some months, I make 200 to 300 bucks. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free GetUpside app now. Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code LANE for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 50 cents a gallon on your next fill-up. You can cash out anytime to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code LANE for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code LANE. South, we are y'all, and we accentuate the South. John Rawl is your is your host. That's me. Thank you for tuning us in on great radio stations, and also available in podcast form. You can check us out each and every day at TuneIn Radio, iHeart app, as well as the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. It's a free download. Just search for y'all show, and we'll be. Right there. Also, we're powered by y'all.com and a little bit of a tease in the next segment before we wrap up our second hour. I'm going to walk through some of the fun at y'all.com. What's up there right now? So I'll do a little favor. I'll do a little perusing for you. Right now on the Y'all Show, we have our Southern Business Spotlight of the week. And a guy named Charlie Chang is a YouTuber. I found his channel and he's done one heck of a job looking at some stocks from Wall Street and more. So from Wall Street to Yall Street, we're going to go now to Charlie Chang and get his thoughts on some top stocks to buy here in the month of October. And the first thing he talks about is something that I know oh so well. I'm using it right now, a product of it, to do this show. And I've given this company a lot of money over the years. And let's hear what Charlie Chang has to say about Adobe Inc., the company, the software company that makes products like 
Adobe Illustrator, Adobe InDesign, Adobe Photoshop, Adobe Audition, and so much more. A lot of creative people rely on Adobe, and we'll hear now what Charlie Chang has to say about the business success of Adobe on Wall Street. Here's Charlie Chang. This is an American multinational computer software company, a company that I personally use every single day with Photoshop, Lightroom, and Premiere Pro. Right now, one share of Adobe is trading at $577.70 with a 52-week low of $420.78 and a 52-week high of $673.88. You can see that over the last year, Adobe stock has performed extremely well, hitting highs of over $650 a share. But since then, they have dropped dramatically, which means that it could be a good time to start picking some up. Adobe has a market cap of $275.216 billion dollars, a P ratio of 47.75, and earnings per share of $12.10. They have a five-year expected peg ratio of 2.45 and a current price to book ratio of 22.51. They're very good profit-wise with a profit margin of 38.67%. And they also have an extremely strong return equity of 44.7%. They're sitting on about $6.16 billion in total cash and they also have a good current ratio of 1.39. Analysts do love Adobe and they're rating it as a 1.8 meaning it is a buy and the average analyst price target is $703.92, which is almost 20% higher than the current price of $577.70. So yeah, like I mentioned, Adobe stock has increased significantly since the last time I mentioned it, but we did see a very big pullback recently, meaning that it could be a good time to buy again. Prices could continue going down in the short term, but I think that anytime is a good time to buy Adobe shares for the long term. Now recently, Adobe announced that it achieved a record revenue of $3.94 billion in its third quarter of fiscal year 2021, which represented a 22% year-over-year growth. You expect the growth of the company to slow down, especially after the pandemic when demand for electronics and software was at an all-time high. But the fact that Adobe continues to majorly deliver in profits shows how solid of a company it is. The company also announced its $1 billion acquisition of Frame.io, a software platform that allows video editors and producers to easily collaborate through its cloud-first workflow. This acquisition enables Adobe to solidify its position in the cloud computing market while also enhancing its video production catalog. The collaboration with Frame.io will also open Adobe's products to a larger audience. And such a hefty purchase shows how much money Adobe has at its disposal to reinvest in itself. Oh, and I also use Frame.io and it's an amazing platform. So yeah, that's also why I really like this acquisition. The largest segments of the company's business generated handsome profits during quarter three of fiscal year 2021, with digital media achieving $2.87 billion in revenue, a 23% year-over-year growth. And Adobe's experienced cloud generated over $900 million in revenue as well. These profits indicate that Adobe's digital software products, including their creative cloud, are still popular and in high demand. This consumer market includes users of Photoshop, Premiere Pro, After Effects, Lightroom, and so many more platforms that are becoming more important and are increasingly digital lives. And we also have Adobe's Experience Cloud, which is a software platform that helps with marketing and web analytics. So yeah, Adobe has clearly shown that it has a solid foothold in several digital markets. And with its proven longevity, its massive pool of wealth, and its continuing growth, this company is not going anywhere anytime soon. All right. How about that? That guy, I know it's edited, but he's got a lot to punch there. A lot of stuff to punch out in a short amount of time. That again, a YouTube video. Go and check it out. Charlie Chang and that he spent about three minutes telling you about Adobe. Adobe is just one of the seven top stocks Charlie Chang says to buy here this month. I wonder what he's got to say about those other six companies. We just heard about the software Adobe. Whew, this guy's done his homework. And we hope you, all you savvy stock people might have benefited from hearing, uh, hearing from Charlie Chang. And if you aren't into the stock market, Adobe looks like, or it sounds like, and looks like, one heck of a buy 
for the future. Again, on Adobe, if you want to go look them up on the stock ticker, they are ADBE, Adobe Inc., according to YouTuber Charlie Chang, one of the top seven stocks to buy in October. Thank you for that great, helpful, and maybe one day even very profitable information, Mr. Chang. (laughs) When we come back on y'all, we're going to be profiting from another segment here in this second hour. We are going to go to the homepage of the South, y'all.com, and I'm going to tell you about some great stories and content up there that you don't want to miss out on. That will wrap up our second hour. We'll get to that right after this break. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Back into show number whatever we are, over 500 now, I think is the last count I have. It might even be pushing 600 of y'all talk with a southern accent. John Raw here in the host chair. We're powered here at y'all by y'all.com, the South homepage. And let me take a few minutes to update you on what we've got at y'all.com. We have so much great content. We break it down. We've got a lot of stuff about your home. We've got stuff about food and drink. We tell you about your home and garden, style and fashion, arts and culture, sports, travel, events. And we even have this show that you're listening to, the Y'all Show, posted at yall.com. Y'all.com. The South homepage and a quick glance. If you haven't done it lately, please join along. Yeah, we can kind of do this together. If you'd like, go to yall.com. I'll give you a couple seconds. Okay, you should be there. Y'all.com. Four little characters. Y-A-L-L.com. So if you go there, you'll find a couple of really helpful stories up right now about your home. If you're a homeowner, you've got some land, or you're just someone... It has to do some housework from time to time. We've got some great articles right now. One I just got up the other day that I want to tell you about. It's how to promote safety in your southern community. 
Ainsley Lawrence has penned this one, and it's just so good, especially as we get closer to a change in time and there's not going to be as much sunlight. You maybe have some sketchy people. Maybe they're sketchy because you just don't know them. This article will help you to promote safety in your southern community. That's why, according to Ainsley in her article, there's a reason why cities like Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and Johns Creek, Georgia, are considered the safest in the nation, and much of it comes down to southern pride and a general appreciation of everyone in the community. It is a mutual understanding of most southerners that the best way to maintain a safe town is by watching out for one another and coming together for the betterment of their neighborhood. So, one of the breakdowns of this article is she's got a whole subsection on know your neighbors. It is not uncommon for Southerners in the suburbs to want to meet new neighbors and make them feel welcome into the community from day one. Not only does doing so promote the friendliness that the South is famous for, but by knowing who lives around you, it can help each you and your neighbor in times of need. At a minimum, your neighbors can help keep an eye on your house when you're out of town or alert you if you see a suspicious behavior going on around the property. So get out there and say hello. Get out there and maybe give them a business card that's got your name. They can stick it on their fridge. You may never hear from them. Or they might be coming over trying to sell you Girl Scout cookies or try to talk about their religion at some point. But chances are they're probably not going to bother you too much, and they're probably going to end up being a great neighbor, somebody you'll be very, very happy with. I know that I talked to someone the other day who mentioned their neighbors, and it seemed like their neighbors aren't the kind of people they go out to eat with and are best friends with, but they help each other out. If there's a problem on the fence line, usually the neighbor goes ahead and fixes it, and it's a it's a healthy relationship. I bet you if you've got neighbors, you probably know your neighbors, but if you don't, hey, take the time, as this article says, to know your neighbors. What is it going to hurt? You also can form a neighborhood watch group, you know, we used to have those things 25, 30 years ago. It was a big deal to form that kind of neighborhood watch. And you had the little logo, the sign that went up in the community. This is a neighborhood watch. I haven't really seen those as much lately, maybe because of the ring cameras. So many people have those things and you don't need to be necessarily staring out the window at all times, looking for the boogeyman. When you've got a camera can sit there and <laughs> record everything, sometimes record people who don't know they're being recorded and it can help ruin their career like Morgan Wallen. But yeah, you can form a neighborhood watch group and that could consist of volunteers from the community who help keep an eye on your community and notify law enforcement if anything suspicious happens. Also, you can assign several block captains to keep an eye on a set of number of residences and help create a schedule of who should patrol and when. So know your neighbors, keep an eye open. Also educate the kids. Another reason the South is and has been a safe place and has a trend of safety after all these years is that parents are always teaching their children how to promote friendliness and protection of their communities. Children at a young age should be educated, according to Ainsley Lawrence's article, they should be educated on the value of knowing their neighbors and showing the same kindness to others as they would like to receive themselves. So you can talk to your kids about friendship, talk to them about the dangers of bullying and how they should never hurt someone else or make them feel bad just because they think they are different or because they disagree. So the kids are a big 
big part of this. Also, technology in the neighborhood. This kind of goes along with these ring cameras and more. But having a safe community is very important. And you want to do a very good job of deterring potential thieves and crooks by not only having the cameras up, but have plenty of street lights, have a well-lit neighborhood. I got on to my own mother just the other day. We have always had this old-fashioned, bluish-looking fluorescent-type nightlight that the power company has put up a long time ago. And even, I guess they made money off of them because they charged their customers if you had a nightlight out in your yard. Not the orangey-looking nightlight, the more bluish-looking nightlight, the old-school ones. And my parents had that. And I noticed one night when I was at the home that the yard looked so dark. Now, she's got little small lights all over the place, but I just miss my old nightlight. And I asked her about it. She says, I don't have it going because the power company no longer services or even has those certain old school bulbs that went into the old school nightlights. And she wasn't going to pay for another one, so she's got her own little plan. Now, well, the problem with that is <laughs> we've got a visitor there, and the visitor just happened to pay a visit to my car the night that I noticed that it was so dark in the in the outside of my parents' home. I went out. My, I pulled into my parents' house for a visit around 1130 at night is when I got there, and I went straight to bed, woke up the next day. I went outside to my car to get something out of it, parked in the driveway, and there was this pile of poop right beside my car. And I thought, did I did I see that last night? I didn't think so. So I had my brother come investigate, and it was coyote poop. And we did not have coyotes. And she says she didn't know that there were that many coyotes. But a coyote evidently was stalking me and decided to uh, send it send me a message that they didn't like my car being there. And I don't think they would have gotten away with it. If there was a light out there to scare him off, that's just my opinion. Ainsley Lawrence, again, has this article at y'all. You can read a lot more about it. How to promote safety in your Southern community. I don't know if Ainsley covered the coyote poop, and now you can keep coyotes out of your community and keep it safe, but those things are pretty darn scary, right? I mean, a big, big pile of that stuff that I had to go scoop up and throw away. Mm. Okay, on to more happier stories. Also at y'all.com, I'm going to have to, I got to take a quick breath here after talking about coyote uh, waste. Okay, I think I'll make it. Also at y'all.com, we have John Allen and Jimmy Duke. They're back. We've got one of their latest episodes of Tricks of the Trade. You can watch this thing. You don't even have to read it. You can watch it as John and Jimmy are back on the Southern Home Improvement beat. They've got a article that you can watch at Tricks of the Trade, Loose Brick, Paraffin, and Thumbtacks. This is a video show. You can sit back, get a cup of coffee, cup of tea, and enjoy these two great Southerners fixing the South's home improvement needs and answering questions. And on the latest episodes of Tricks of the Trade posted at y'all.com, John and Jimmy talk about Loose Brick and how to fix that. How about Paraffin and Thumbtacks and Sliding Glass Doors? Those things can be an absolute booger. And even if not for a glass door, sometimes you've got the glass sliding door, but you've got the little screen that goes along with the glass sliding door. Those things can be one heck of a 
problem. So John and Jimmy talk about those things to talk about the fixing loose brick. If you've got a loose brick somewhere in your house or on the exterior, you can go in and learn how to fix that the John Allen way. And how about paraffin wax? Are you familiar with that term? I was not. I had to look it up. But paraffs, according to John, paraffin wax and thumbtacks are a helpful way to fix sliding drawers that are kind of giving you a problem when you're trying to pull them out. Paraffin wax and thumbtacks together will help solve your sliding drawer problem. If you've got some kind of a dresser and those aren't just coming out the way they ought to, check that video out at y'all.com. Again, it's John Allen and Jimmy Duke. Each week, they get together for tricks of the trade, and they solve the South's home improvement questions, and that is posted right now at y'all.com. Plus, other stories available for you at the homepage of the South, the five top colleges of the South. We've got a story penned by Kevin Gardner where he looks at a couple of different schools and tells you why he considers them to be five of the top five colleges in the entire Southeast. And I won't tell you where they are or who they are. You're going to have to get out there and learn about it yourself. We also have a video of me talking to the Takapola storyteller about the recent hurricanes in Louisiana and working at nighttime. How was that? Jerry Short's done a lot of that in his time. And you can watch our conversation about that at y'all.com. Plus at the homepage of the South, you can read all about how millennials in this part of the world are coping with financial struggles and we got our traveling shoes on, thanks to Ann Brawley. She's got an article about Bryson City, North Carolina. This wonderful place in western North Carolina gives you the chance to go hike the trails in that part of the state. You can get on the Smoky Mountain, Great Smoky Mountain Railroad and go for a little voyage on the rails in the charming village of Dillsboro, North Carolina. You also can go to the Nantahala Outdoor Center there, NOC in western North Carolina. Enjoy lots of great time and plenty of places for you to rest and get a, a nice little spa or a nice soak, if you will, in your hotel room. Plenty of great stuff to learn from in this article posted at y'all.com right now. It's Ann Brawley and her article, Southern Travel, Bryson City, North Carolina. That's where she went. And she tells you all about it. A simple stop by y'all.com. You'll be packing your bags and heading to Bryson City and NC any second now. Well, we don't want you to pack up and get out of here too quick because we still have more of the show about the South and more of the South is coming your way after this break. We've got a whole nother hour of y'all. Stay tuned. We've got more headlines from across the region that we'll be getting to, plus the 10 most stolen vehicles in the country. I'll share with you that entire list. Plus, we have a Southern accent on arts and entertainment coming your way in our final hour. It's right here on the show powered by y'all.com, the South's homepage. Susan, it's so great to finally be able to get together again. Oh, it sure is. And I really appreciate you picking up the bill. I'm happy to. I've got the extra cash. Since we've all been driving so much more again, I've been using GetUpside, the free gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the GetUpside app? Yes, up to 25 cents a gallon. Cash back every time I buy gas. Does that actually add up to anything? Some months, I make 200 to 300 bucks. What? 
Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free GetUpside app now. Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code LANE for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 50 cents a gallon on your next fill-up. You can cash out anytime to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code LANE for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code LANE. Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit stoptextsstoprex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Covering Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, we are y'all. Talk with a accent on all things Southern. John Rawl is my name, and for the next hour, we'll be talking about what's going on across the Southeast, and we welcome your feedback. Our text line is 803-816-1170. Want to hear from you. As we wrap up this hour and wrap up this edition of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, we've got headlines from across the Southeast that we'll pick back up on. Also, before the hour is up, the 10 most stolen vehicles in the country. Is your brand of car, is your model of car on this list? I'll be sharing that in the next segment. Also, we've got an accent on Southern Arts that we'll be passing along before we're done for the day. Looking back at our headlines here as we start off this final hour of our conversation about the Southeast. Okay, so we told you earlier in the Y'all Show Hour 1 about the sad story out of Florida. Hollywood Police Department officer has died as he was gunned down in a fatal shooting after an altercation. And 28-year-old officer Yandy Chirino shot dead after he was taken to a hospital. He was pronounced dead. The chief of police in Hollywood, Florida, Chris O'Brien, said that officers responded late Sunday to a call about a suspicious incident near the Emerald Hills Country Club. And now an 18-year-old man is accused of fatally shooting this police officer in Hollywood, Florida. Our thoughts again to the family of this officer, Officer Yandy Chirino, who had been on the force for a few years and I don't think he was married. I don't think he had children, but he had parents that loved him. And the police department there and their posting on social media said, Officer Torino will be remembered for his selfless actions and his sacrifice. He gave his life honorably and without hesitation, protecting those in our community. Going on this week in Brunswick, Georgia, jury selection begins in the trial of Ahmad Arbery and his death and a couple of white men on trial there for killing their accused of murdering this man. Father and son, Greg and Travis McMichael, and their neighbor, William Roddy Bryan, charged with murder and other crimes and Ahmad Aubrey's death back in February of 2020. This happened just outside of the city limits of Brunswick, Georgia. Jury sec- the jury selection going on in that area of Georgia could last two weeks or more. Aubrey's father said he's praying for an impartial panel and a fair trial. And he's now the Aubrey family represented by the most famous civil rights attorney there is these days, Benjamin Crump. If you remember him from the Trayvon Martin case down around Orlando, 
He was there in that case. He's been involved with the George Floyd case, the case up in North Carolina from a couple of months back. Benjamin Crump there on the scene. Ben Crump Law is his business, and he is on patrol in Brunswick this week. Also in the news across the southeast today, we'll let you know about wild horses on the North Carolina coast. They've been feasting on persimmons. If you've got a persimmon tree around you, chances are if you do, it's probably shed a few persimmons over the last few days. And the horses on North Carolina's Outer Banks, these wild horses, are having a good time eating the persimmons that are falling down. The Corolla Wild Horse Fund says that on social media that the American persimmon is a fruit-bearing tree native to the coast and can be found growing throughout where horses roam. And according to the the Corolla Wild Horse Fund, the fruit becomes ripe and sweet in the fall and becomes a source of food for these wild horses. The horses there on the barrier islands of North Carolina can be seen walking up to the persimmon trees to pluck the fruit from branches or they forage for the fruit when it falls to the ground. You can see a video of this Corolla Fund and their Facebook page showing one horse feasting from a persimmon tree. The cool thing about these wild horses in North Carolina, they are traced back to a shipwreck. And they are colonial Spanish Mustangs, and they roam the northern end of Barrier Islands on North Carolina's coast, and they're really beautiful. I've been on a little cruise, if you will, to see these wild horses around Beaufort, North Carolina, a little bit of uh, a couple miles inland from there, I think it was. But a really cool thing to see, and we hope those wild horses, the Corolla Wild Horse Fund, helps keep them going. And how about persimmons feeding these things, a real treat for these wild horses in North Carolina this time of year. A Memphian has set the Guinness world record and he raised money for St. Jude in the process. Personal trainer Isaac Coleman is a 34-year-old Memphis man and he broke the Guinness world for the most diamond push-ups done by a man in one minute. He did this Sunday in Collierville where this happened and he did it in a St. Jude charity event. According to Guinness World Records, the previous record was 96, set by a former soldier from China named Hong Zato. He did this in April of 2021. Coleman was able to beat that 96 as he did 108 diamond push-ups, or I call them Delta Company push-ups. He did 108 diamond company push-ups, or (laughs) diamond push-ups. Push-ups, Delta Company, trust me, I did them. I used to do a bunch. I was forced to do a bunch, and it really, they make a difference. They can build your muscles up in no time. Uh, He was able to do it by completing a total of 108 diamond push-ups in just under 60 seconds. A diamond push-up, also called a triangle push-up or a Delta Company push-up, is completed by placing the hands close together and making a diamond shape. And if you've never tried to do one, go ahead, get down on the floor right now, hit it. And, uh, tell me how it feels. Tell me if you can do one. I'm not sure I could do one right now. I've intentionally not tried to do them for a few years now. The effort here in Memphis, this was a fundraiser that had a goal of 10,000. And right now, it looks like Coleman had raised, uh, at last count, just over $8,000 as he's trying to raise money for a St. Jude charity event. Way to go, personal trainer Isaac Coleman. 108 diamond push-ups. Hey, Mr. China guy, Hong Zhao you try beating that. See, America is better than China, at least when it comes to the diamond push-ups. We, 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 we beat you by 12. Wasn't even close, and this has been certified now. 
by the Guinness Book of World Records as the world record for diamond push-ups, and it all helped raise money along the way. Now, that is one heck of a story to share with you to start out this y'all show's third hour. We'll continue on with more fun from across the Southeast. When we come back, we're going to start talking about cars, and we'll talk about how you just might own or you might be driving around your community in one of the top 10 most stolen vehicles in the country. Uh Uh-oh. This is not necessarily the best of news for some of you. I'll share this finding when we come right back. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with y'all. Maybe you want to text me and try to sell one of your cars before this next segment airs. Okay, we'll see what we can do as long as we get a big commission. (laughs) We'll be right back, y'all. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. Continuing on with the Y'all Show here in this final hour. Thank you for tuning us in on wonderful radio stations across the southeast. We've got an article that, for some of you, will be helpful to know. Some of you, you're going to be like, rut row. And I'm actually sitting here going rut row because my car is on this list. I won't tell you what kind of car I got, but it's on this list. So take extra careful notes here so you don't end up like me on this list. The list, friends, is... The National Insurance Crime Bureau's top 10 
Most stolen vehicles in the United States. Thefts for all models in the top 10 increased in 2020 compared to the previous year. Not good information to be passing along to you here as we have this third hour amongst us here. And it looks like, according to the article that I'm going to be reading from, for the second year in a row, the Ford full-size pickup truck was the model most targeted by thieves, followed by the Chevrolet full-size pickup truck. Hey, pickup truck owners, be careful out there. Are pickup trucks easier to steal? Is that part of the reason? I know people like their pickup trucks, and I know pickup trucks have become usually in, in the in the South, I would say just about every Southern state, but I, I don't know all the data. But a pickup truck just might be more than half of a parking lot at most of your new car dealerships. Every company, to my knowledge, I don't think Tesla has a pickup truck, but just about most of the companies have some kind of pickup truck. And they do well, people, men and women both, drive around in their pickup trucks. But back to the article again, this is data coming out. From Hot Wheels, the NICB annual auto theft report, the National Insurance Crime Bureau releasing its annual Hot Wheels report that identifies the top 10 most stolen vehicles in the country. The director, president of this group, David Glaw, he's the CEO of the National Insurance Crime Bureau. He said auto theft saw a dramatic increase in 2020 versus 2019 due in part to the pandemic an economic downturn, law enforcement realignment, depleted social and schooling programs, and, in still too many cases, owner complacency. For many people, a car is the second largest investment they will ever make behind a home. No matter what kind of vehicle you have, take steps to protect your investment. Lock your car and take your keys. That the words of David Glaw of the National Insurance Crime Bureau. So let's take a few minutes and walk through the list of the top 10 vehicles stolen in 2020. And then I'm going to tell you the top 10 most stolen vehicles in each of our southern states. Overall, the number one stolen vehicle, as we said, was the Ford full-size pickup truck with over 44,000 thefts reported. The most common model of that truck stolen was the 2006 model. People are still in trucks 14 years old. Okay, the Chevrolet full-size pickup truck, the most common year stolen for that model, the 2004 Chevrolet full-size pickup truck, and they had reported over 40,000 cases of those full-size pickup trucks. The first car on the list of the top 10 stolen vehicles of 2020, the Honda Civic, with 34,000 stolen. The Honda Accord shows up at number four with 30,000 stolen across the country. The Toyota Camry is the fifth most stolen vehicle with 16,915 stolen in 2020. The Nissan Altima, 14,668. The GMC full-size pickup truck, 13,000 uh, 13, of them stolen. The Toyota Corolla, over 12,000 stolen in 2020. The Honda CRV. 12,000 of them stolen. And lastly, the Dodge full-size pickup truck, 12,000 of those stolen in 2020. This information, again, coming from the NICB, the National Insurance Crime Bureau. When you take a closer look at the top 10 most stolen vehicles by state, Alabama, the most stolen car, and give Alabamians credit, 
because at least they're when they're stealing pickup trucks, they're going for the new ones in Alabama. The Chevrolet pickup full size was the most common theft. Over 500 stolen in Alabama in 2020. The Ford pickup full size truck, number two, Nissan Altima, followed by the Accord, Toyota Camry, GMC pickup. The Chevrolet Impala was stolen big time in Alabama. And the 2020 Toyota Corolla was on the list of Alabama theft of cars. Now to Arkansas. Arkansas's number one car stolen was a Chevrolet pickup full size, followed by the Ford pickup. Hey, the GMC pickup in Arkansas ends up being number three overall stolen. Over 200 of the GMC pickup full sizes stolen in the natural state. The Dodge pickup full size was number four. I'm trying to see if there's anything a little bit unusual in Arkansas's thievery. The Chevrolet Tahoe was on this list, the 2003 model, of which I had a 2004 model. I don't think I'd be stealing those. You know why? Because most Tahoe owners love their car, just like I did. I got over 300,000 miles on my car before I had to say goodbye. And if you're trying to steal a 2003 Chevrolet Tahoe, (laughs) you've got a surprise waiting, because those things don't generally go over 300,000 too much, from what I understand unless you're willing to put several thousand dollars worth of improvements into it to keep it afloat. And I don't think you probably will do that. Up next is the state of Florida. Florida's most stolen car, the Ford pickup, followed by the Nissan Altima. And actually, Florida doesn't have another pickup until the Chevy pickup shows up at number six on the most stolen car list. The Altima's followed by the Honda Accord, the Toyota Camry, the Toyota Corollas, the fifth most stolen car in the Sunshine State. The Chevy Malibu checks in at number eight in Florida, and the Ram pickup full size. Boy, those cars can be very, very nice. I just saw somebody driving a Ram pickup truck the other day that was brand new, only about 750 of this particular model made in the country. And this thing had, (sighs) I'm bad at cars. I'm sorry. From what I think I heard, I think I was told this truck has 700 horsepower. Is that even possible? Let me, let me double check that. Cause I don't want to sit here and talk about something I know nothing about, but I, I, I don't know a whole lot about trucks and cars too. Um, let's see. Dodge truck, 2022 horsepower. 700. I think I heard that right. Um, it might be the TRX. No other production truck has over 700 horsepower through a supercharged V8 like the Ram 1500 TRX. I think that's what I saw. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost confident because I know it wasn't a cheap truck. And <laughs> 700 horsepower for a pickup truck, the Ram 1500 TRX. Let me see what one of those things goes for. Ram 1500 TRX. Again, I was told this thing only had like 700 available. They only made roughly 700. I think I heard that right. Um, let's see if we can't get a price tag. The TRX, the MSRP starts at 70000 for that truck, if you can even get one. Something tells me they're probably even a lot more expensive than that. They have a really cool 
Ram truck these days called the Rebel. That's 46000 Yeah, that makes sense. A $70,000 pickup truck. Oh, if you have a couple extra thousand to spend, you can get you a new pickup truck. And that one might end up getting stolen. We hope not. If it if it is, it will show up on the list. Now back to the other cars that are stolen. That's the purpose of our talking here. I got carried away talking about a 700 Howard, 700 horsepower. I can't. Even, I get so emotional about. It, I can't even have to talk about it. 700 horsepower truck. Go look that up if y'all are a car person or a truck person. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, back to Georgia. The number one item from a car truck standpoint of thievery in that state. The Ford pickup shows up at number one. The Chevy pickup at two. The Nissan Altima is at three. The Honda Accords four. And the Jeep Cherokee. First time I've seen the Jeep listed here. The 2019 Jeep Cherokee is the eighth most stolen car in the state of Georgia. Over 370 Jeep Cherokees stolen in the Peach State in 2020. Now to the bluegrass of Kentucky. The number one truck stolen there, the Ford pickup, followed by the Chevy pickup. Also a little bit unusual in the state of Kentucky, the Chevrolet Impala, the fifth most stolen car. The Ford Fusion, the seventh most stolen car, 180 of them stolen in 2020. And the Ford Escape, 164 of those stolen in the bluegrass state in 2020. In Louisiana, the Ford and Chevy are both one and two on the most stolen cars list. The Toyota Camry checks in at five. And... And most of the other cars are similar to other states. Nothing too unusual about the stealing habits of Louisiana thieves. Maryland, the number one thing stolen, not a pickup truck. In fact, the first pickup truck shows up as the fifth most stolen car or truck. The number one thing stolen in Maryland, the Honda Accord, over 645 stolen in 2020. The Toyota Camry comes in at number two. The Nissan Altima at three. The Civic from Honda is at four. And you have the Hyundai Sonata. It's a seventh most stolen car in Maryland. The Hyundai Elantra is at number nine. Also in the state of, let's see here, Mississippi. Mississippi, number one and two are the Chevy and Ford, respectively. The Toyota Camry is Ford, is, is rather Ford. The Honda Accord is fifth. And then you have the Chevrolet Tahoe's. It's the number seven. Stole, most stolen car. And they've got the 2004 model, which I, that's the Tahoe I had. I wonder if somebody stole mine. hundred of them stolen in Mississippi in 2020 of the 2004 Chevy Tahoes. In the show me state, pickup trucks, one, two, and three, Ford, Chevy, Dodge. Those are your top three things stolen. The Ford Fusion is your sixth most stolen car in the state of Missouri. And the Toyota Camry, over 400 stolen in 2020. And the Camry is the ninth most stolen car or truck in that state. On to the state of North Carolina. In North Carolina, the number one stolen item, the Honda Accord, followed by the Ford pickup truck. At two, Chevy pickup at three. Anything unusual in in the state of North Carolina? The ninth most stolen car, the Nissan Sentra, 247 stolen in the Tar Heel State in 2020. And the state of Oklahoma, I bet you every single one of these are going to be pickup trucks and I'm pretty close. Number one, two, three, four. Chevy, followed by Ford, followed by Dodge, followed by GMC are the most stolen trucks, most stolen cars slash trucks in the Sooner State. The Honda Accord comes in at number five. Nissan Altima is at seven. The Ram pickup truck comes in at number eight in the state of Oklahoma. 
In the state of South Carolina, the number one most stolen item, the Ford pickup truck, followed by the Chevy pickup truck. Number three is the Honda Accord, 471 Accords stolen in 2020. The Jeep Cherokee was the eighth most stolen car, 182 stolen in the Palmetto State in 2020. In the Volunteer State, the Ford and Chevy were the number one and number two most stolen cars or trucks. The Altima was number three, the Accord number four. The Chevy Malibu was the eighth most stolen car in the state of Tennessee. Just like Oklahoma, I expect most of the things stolen in Texas to be pickups. And you know what? I'm absolutely right. We're number one, two, three, four, Chevy pickup, followed by Ford, followed by GMC, followed by Dodge. The Chevy Tahoe was the fifth most stolen thing in the state of Texas with over 1,800 stolen in 2020. The Ram pickup comes in as the ninth most stolen item in the state of Texas. Now to the state of Virginia. The Honda Accord was the most stolen vehicle in the Old Dominion state. Over 380 stolen in 2020. The Toyota Camry was number three with 304 stolen. The Toyota Corolla, 239 stolen in 2020. And the Hyundai Sonata, 145 stolen in 2020. Lastly, in the mountain state of West Virginia, the number one most stolen vehicle. What do you think it was in West Virginia? It was the Ford pickup, followed by Chevy and its pickup. The Ford Escape was the third most stolen car or truck in West Virginia. 40 of those stolen. Quite a jump from the pickups to number three. Ford had 137 pickups reported stolen in 2020. They had 112 Chevy pickups. And then the third most stolen item was the Ford Escape with only 40, but still it's 40 in West Virginia. 40 Ford Escapes reported stolen in 2020. The GMC pickup comes in in the fourth spot in West Virginia with 36 stolen in 2020. The Jeep Cherokee or Grand Cherokee, 32 of those stolen in 2020. And then kind of rounding up West Virginia's list of stolen items, the Chevrolet Impala, they had about 28 of those stolen in 2020. The Chevrolet Malibu was tied with the Ford Focus Both of those had 27 stolen in that state of West Virginia in the year 2020. What's going on with all this thievery going on across the Southeast? So again, nationwide, recapping this article that the National Insurance Crime Bureau has released in its Hot Wheels report, the number one most stolen vehicle of 2020, the 2006 Ford full-size pickup truck, the number two most stolen item, the Chevrolet full-size pickup year model 2004 the 2000 honda civic comes in at number three the 1997 honda accord is your fourth most stolen vehicle the 2019 toyota camry is the fifth most stolen vehicle then you've got the sixth most stolen vehicle the nissan altima 2020 edition the gmc full-size pickup truck 2005 model seventh most stolen vehicle the eighth most stolen vehicle is the 2020 Toyota Corolla. The 20, or rather 2000 Honda CRV is the ninth most stolen vehicle of 2020. And lastly, nationwide, the 2001 Dodge full-size pickup truck was the 10th most stolen vehicle in 2020. As we found out from this National Insurance Crime Bureau, the best things to do to keep you from ending up on this list where you aren't reporting a stolen vehicle is to, first of all, lock your vehicle and take your keys. That's what the president and CEO of the National Insurance Crime Bureau says, David Glaw.
Just use common sense. As he said, for many people, a car is the second largest investment that they'll ever make behind a home. So no matter what kind of vehicle you have, take steps to protect your investment by locking your car and taking your keys. You got that? You got it? Okay. Glad you got it. Now, make those don't lose your keys. <laughs> so many people lose the keys and it's hard to lock your car if you don't have the keys. Although if you've got one of these modern cars, darn thing will beep your head off. I mean, it'll be beep, 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 make all kind of crazy sounds. If you have the key, what is it in your pocket and you get too far away? I don't know. It's, 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 I guess it's all the smart stuff. I just want my car to crank, but more importantly, I want my car to crank and it actually be there and not stolen when I go to crank it. Is that asking too much? The Y'all Show continues after this break. We'll have a southern accent on arts entertainment. That is coming up next. You don't want to miss out on that here on the show about the South. If you're worried about your borderline blood pressure, hear how others are taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. Garlic works safely and naturally to support my blood pressure. Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula has a custom blend of garlic vitamins and minerals, so you know it works. No garlic taste, no garlic breath. Take charge of your blood pressure with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Southern Accent. Here's what's entertaining the South from y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Tampa-raised actor Owen Teague is a rising star in Hollywood, having appeared in more than a dozen films and currently co-starring in the Stephen King-based post-apocalypse series The Stand, airing on Paramount+. Plus. The 21-year-old Floridian on getting ready to play Harold Lauder in the series. One of the earliest things that I did was was work with Angelina on Harold's costume, just, just like the kinds of shirts that he wore and the kinds of shoes and pants and the sizes of everything and the hairstyle and costumes are a really big part of of the the preparation for me um as well but also like i've been a fan of the book forever paramount plus offers a free trial to stream the stand entertainment headlines and more at y'all.com And thank you, Melissa, for that very good, informative Southern accent to help wrap up our y'all show here on this Tuesday. We've got more fun coming in from across the Southeast. When we come back, we've got a few comments coming in from social media, and we'll get that your way as we wrap up this Tuesday edition after this timeout. Stay tuned, y'all.
Susan, it's so great to finally be able to get together again. Oh, it sure is. And I really appreciate you picking up the bill. I'm happy to. I've got the extra cash. Since we've all been driving so much more again, I've been using GetUpside, the free gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the GetUpside app? Yes, up to 25 cents a gallon. Cash back every time I buy gas. Does that actually add up to anything? Some months, I make 200 to 300 bucks. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free GetUpside app now. Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code LANE for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 50 cents a gallon on your next fill-up. You can cash out anytime to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code LANE for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code LANE. Final segment here. Thank you so much for tuning us in on podcast form, or if you're listening to us on one of our really cool, awesome radio affiliates across the Southeast, this is the y'all show. And we're going to take a few minutes here to dive into the social media fun that we call hashtag hullabaloo. We start off with Kareem Fisher, who will be playing or has just played on the road as she is a comedian and she owns a baseball card store. She's got a social media account, guys, we, and I can't say the rest. (laughs) NFT, I believe, is what the term would be. Just don't want to go there. But she has another account, Philanthropy Gal, if you want to check her out. But Kareen Fisher is a funny woman, and she writes on social media this week, I've already reached my friendliness quota for the day, and it's only 1.30 p.m. Hashtag the South. Come on, Kareen. Come on, you can be friendly more than just half the day, 1.30 p.m. She's a comedian. There's a good chance she might have woke up at the crack of noon. So, come on, you got it in you. It's okay to be friendly 24-7. And let's just kind of reverse it. We're supposed to give one day a week to the Lord. We'll let you be not so friendly one day out of the week. But at least the six other days, Kareen Fisher at Philanthropy Gal You can be nice. Please be nice. Or I'm going to get mad at you, Kareem Fisher. All right, that's some social media fun there from a comedian. Uh, Right now, up next is Jenny Hale, a USA Today bestselling author. At Author is her account. And she writes, I'm making a driver's ed study guide for my son, Gotta love that in Tennessee, there's a section on who can and cannot legally ride in the back of a pickup truck. Hashtag the South. That's a good point. I don't know if there's any states left where it's legal to ride in the back of a pickup truck. 
I don't know when that became taboo. I know it probably has never been a safe thing to ride in the back of a pickup truck, at least out on the highway. But if you've ever ridden in the back of a pickup truck, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. And if you're one of the lucky fellows like me that played Little League Baseball, specifically Dixie Youth Baseball growing up, one of my most fond memories of playing Dixie Youth Baseball was the few times we got a big win my entire team of roughly 11-year-old boys would go jump in the back of our coach's pickup truck. Our families would follow, and we'd all go down to the local McDonald's and have us a $2 hamburger. And perhaps the coach even paid for it. But could you imagine in today's world, and maybe this has happened, and we just don't know about it, but 13 kids in the back of a pickup truck going down the highway... I think that would probably get some people calling law enforcement and reporting you. But not long ago, people like me as kids, we had the time of our lives going down the road after we got that big win over some team that we maybe should not have beat. And our coach thought, this is worthy of us going on down to the McDonald's and get one of them little tiny hamburgers for our kids. And in those days, not only was it fun to go down the road in a pickup truck, it was fun to get one of them dollar hamburgers. Now I think they cost about $5, but yeah, what a great memory for me. I bet you some of you have similar memories. If you're a female, maybe you were on a softball team and y'all got a big win and y'all went down to your local restaurant of some type as a team all gathered in the back of a pick-em-up truck. Uh, When else did I ride in a pickup truck? I guess a lot of kids did it in high school. You'd go cruising and a lot of kids would get in the back of pickup trucks. It's they're, They're really neat. And I know if you get in an accident, It's not a good thing, but it's a great memory. And that's why perhaps if you are a youngster and you have somebody in your family, maybe a grandparent or a parent or somebody, you know, really well, that's got some land, get out there and ride the back of that pickup truck. When you know, they're not going to be somebody in the driver's seat acting like a maniac and just enjoy that wind coming coming, going through your hair in the summertime, although we're not in summertime anymore, but it's not too bad in this time of year, probably. Get out there and and see what riding in the back of a pickup truck is like. So yeah, Jenny Hell, as you write there, you're at J Hell author, a USA Today bestselling author. You have some new content perhaps to write about, learning that in the volunteer state, there is a whole section on who can and cannot legally ride in the back of a pickup truck. Only in the South, although some of the Western states, I'm sure, they like to get in the back of their pickup trucks too. That's great, great information. Glad to pass that along here on the Y'all Show. I was going to try to talk about trucks. We just, in the previous segment, spent a whole... A lot of time talking about pickup trucks because they're the most common thing stolen in today's world in this country. If you didn't hear that conversation, go back and listen to it in our podcast at Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Hmm. Hopefully, maybe one day you'll get a chance to put somebody in the back of your pickup truck if you got one and show them the uh, the fun, the thrill. Up next is a tweet, if you will, from J Bag Holder Boogie. At J underscore five one two. 
As J. Bagholder Boogie writes, we hear he is a whiz of a whiz occupant of a very inexpensive sleeve. I'm not sure where he's going with this, but Mr. Bagholder also writes, guessing it's a Southerner, and I think these are corn cakes, corn fritters like we do down here. It's like if cornbread and a pancake went half on a baby and they go off with just about saying anything. Hashtag corn everything. Hashtag delicious. Okay. I'm not sure I got this. Let me let me slowly decipher this one, if you don't mind. J Bagholder Boogie at J underscore Boogie 512 on social media writes, guessing it's a Southerner, and I think these are corn cakes, corn fritters, like we do down here. It's like if cornbread and a pancake went half on a baby and they go off with just about anything. So corn cakes, are they a combination of cornbread and a pancake? <laughs> Could be. I, I I don't know where Mr. Bagholder is coming from with this statement out there on social media. But it does sound like Mr. Bagholder does love his corn as he's got hashtag corn everything in this post. And that's one of the great things in the South that we have in certain areas, some delicious corn grown. And I can't wait for me to, I just had some the other day in a pot of low country boil and boy, it was great because when you have a low country boil, you mix in the corn with shrimp and sausage and the other ingredients, the seasoning and more. And that corn is just yummy, just yummy. And potatoes are in there too. Go try that out if you haven't. Okay. Up next is the Nobody Company on Twitter, at Nobody Company. They're involved in surfing, skateboarding, and screen printing. <laughs> the Nobody Company writes, The South, where the bars have playgrounds for kids. Hashtag drunks. Okay, I don't know what led them to put that out there on social media, but... They want to point out that bars have playgrounds for kids. Hashtag drunks. Yeah, unfortunately, there's plenty of bars across the South where the drunks become kids and act completely stupid. In fact, they are an insult to kids, frankly, with the way some of the adults act in bars when they get a little too drunk. Heck, I saw a video the other day of an NFL game where there was a brawl there and it was people wearing polo shirts and ball caps. They weren't completely white trash, it looked like. It looked like they were, based on their appearance, respectable people. But they got into a fight. It was a, a fight between Panther and Viking fans. And the Viking fan got decked. All this is on social media. But the crazy thing is, I had just gone to that stadium the game before, and there was security everywhere. Why? In this world we live in where there's a cell phone and all that available, did they not have security come over within a minute? And this thing lingered for about four minutes before ultimately somebody got punched, and I think the guy got knocked out. That was a scary scene. I, fortunately, and I don't want to talk about myself too much here, but I have never been knocked out in a fight. I've been, I guess, knocked out by a baseball one time and maybe one or two other things, but... Not by a enemy, if you will. Uh, it can't be a fun feeling. It can't be a good thing to get your clock rung 
in a fight. And if you're the person that goes down, how do you explain that? I, 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 luckily, I, I don't. I never even had a black eye from a fight. So how do you explain in your workplace for if you're a, an adult and not acting like a kid as this whole conversation got started comparing bars and kids and playgrounds? Do you go into work and make up a lie? <laughs> hey, what? How'd you get that? Oh, oh I was at an, an NFL football game and I got into a fight. Maybe it's a badge of honor. I know people who have proud. They are proud of the many, many fights they've gotten into at football games in the in the past. And luckily, I guess they never got teeth uh, knocked out or too serious of an injury. And it's a badge of honor for them. Whatever floats your boat, just be careful. The main thing here, though, if you get in a fight, remember to duck. Take that as a word of advice from your friend John here at the Y'all Show. Well, we've come to the end of this Tuesday edition. Again, if you've got something social media-wise that you want to share with us, we'd love to hear what you've got to say. It's very easy to do. You can email us. Our email address here at the Y'all Show is mail, M-A-I-L, at Y-A-L-L dot com. You can text us. The number to text is 803-816-1170. Very simple ways. And if those two things aren't easy enough for you, don't forget we're powered here by y'all.com. And there at y'all.com, there is a contact tab at the top. And so if you don't have the discipline to maybe memorize what I just told you, or you're going down the road so fast you can't reach over and jot, jot down a little note to yourself, just keep in mind y'all.com. And there at that homepage of the South, you'll see a contact link that will get stuff right to us here. So we, we definitely want to hear from you. So whatever you've got social media wise, maybe you came up with it yourself. Maybe it's someone you saw and you thought, now that's funny right there. I think I'm going to share it. We are welcome. We'll welcome that with open arms. So just reach out to us here at the y'all show. I want to remind you coming up on our Wednesday y'all show scheduled to be on here is our barbecue barrister, Matt Hermans. Going to talk to him about some great Texas barbecue. An article just came out from Texas Monthly about Texas Q. Plus, we'll also get him to weigh in on the Big 12. Oklahoma right now is behind Cincinnati in the latest top five of college football. What's up with that? Also, we'll get his take on Texas. Texas goes down over the weekend on the gridiron. And did he see that one coming as Texas had a Tough loss to Oklahoma State. Sarkeesian still got some work to be done on the 40 acres. We'll get all that conversation knocked out with our barbecue barrister, Matt Hermans, on the Wednesday Y'all Show. Plus, we'll have a book report, what's going on book-wise, some of the best-selling books across the Southeast. We'll share that information, plus give you an update on college football. We'll give you an update on Major League Baseball, as the Braves will be back in action on Tuesday evening, and we'll be back to tell you how things are looking as Atlanta gets ready to take on the Dodgers for a few games out at Shea Ravine. That's ahead on the Y'all Show Wednesday edition. And we also have more headlines from across the Southeast. And we'll let you know what's going on in terms of other fun stuff, kind of like what we had today, the top stolen vehicles in the country. We'll, we'll do some digging up of some great information and pass along that to you as well here as each and every day on the Y'all Show. We provide you with three hours 
of conversation about the South that you're just not going to get anywhere else. And you know what? We couldn't do it without you. So thank you for tuning in. Until we get together Wednesday, John Rawl signing off of the show about the South, the Y'all Show. See you Wednesday. Susan, it's so great to finally be able to get together again. Oh, it sure is. And I really appreciate you picking up the bill. I'm happy to. I've got the extra cash. Since we've all been driving so much more again, I've been using GetUpside, the free gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the GetUpside app? Yes, up to 25 cents a gallon. Cash back every time I buy gas. Does that actually add up to anything? Some months I make 200 to 300 bucks. Wow. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free GetUpside app now. Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code LANE for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 50 cents a gallon on your next fill-up. You can cash out anytime to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code LANE for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code LANE.